seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill them every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill them? If I did, there well, would be hundreds. Well, no, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started laughing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm glad to be recording today. It's my least social activity of the week, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. How are you? Good. Uh, my tire has been low for like almost three weeks, but I got it fixed yesterday, so now it's not. I, I thought the story ended with you finding out it wasn't actually low. Oh, no, no. It was low. So I took it to a gas station, I put air in it, and I read the stupid thing on the door, and I read the gauge, and it was still like showing up on my dashboard. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to be near the Subaru dealership anyway. So I just stopped by, and they were like, girl, this tire is like way overinflated. <laughs> <laughs> so they fixed it, uh, and I'm going to blame the gas station gauge. That's Not fair. Not myself. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So it wasn't like you looked at your car dashboard. Like you were looking at the gauge with the actual hose itself. Yeah. I did not know your dashboard shows you the tire pressure. Yeah. It depends on the car. Like mine doesn't, but some do. Mine does. Yeah. I see. Yeah. He showed me. It was very cool. I was like, oh my gosh, cars nowadays do everything. Yeah. I mean, look at Teslas. For better or worse, they are really more like computers with cars attached to them. Yeah somewhat some crazy. of the issues have been like people get locked out of their teslas <laughs> there was one it was making the round on these like uh like sigma male subreddits yeah the car recognized there was a woman in front of it and it like veered at her <laughs> to try and take her out <laughs> oh no it's getting um what's it called sexist <laughs> no when car we're not cars when computers like sentient yes yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like <laughs> i must kill <laughs> for those of you listening danny just like kind of moved her hands back and forth <laughs> that somehow got me there you know yeah you got it all right um cool. yeah who do you have for us today okay this is one we previously recorded like a couple months ago we actually prior to the last episode it'd been the last couple episodes it, it's been some time yeah but maybe like summer even Actually, it might have been. So it's been a while. We recorded it. We had audio issues with it. So we're redoing it because I like it. That is a good reason to do it. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's not gruesome. I'm sorry, Gabe. Gabe likes well, the gore. but Well, no, look, I follow what the people like. <laughs> and you go to the true crime subreddit, sort by top of all time. One of the posts is uh, an exasperated face at when they hear from from a post oh, and this part gets pretty gory, so I'm going to skip it. So I, we got to give the people what they want. And they want death and gore and messed up stuff. Okay, this one's not, this one's more like a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might also be what the people want. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's not great. It's terrible. Absolutely a horrible story. But it keeps you on your toes. That's, yeah, <laughs> good save. Yeah, it thanks. is great. No, wait, it's awful. But 
<laughs> also worth listening to. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful. Yeah. So today we are talking about Candy Montgomery. Is that, is that a real name? Candace Lynn Montgomery. Oh, right. That is. She was born in 1950 in Texas to a religious church-going household. Pretty much the norm back then. Mm-hmm. She was an army brat, so she moved around a lot with her parents. Um, she was the daughter of a radar tech who traveled around bases and did tech stuff. That's actually a pretty cool job. Yeah, so she was described as confident, and she always gravitated towards the older kids. In fact, by kindergarten, she was described as flirtatious. That, well, well, hold on, that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if a guy was acting the same way, they'd be like, oh, look at him. He's so confident and blah, blah, blah. But a girl, she's flirtatious. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's more even just the age. Like, it's, uh, it's a weird word to put towards a child. Yeah. yeah. So by fifth grade, she already had admirers who gave her gifts. So she did seem very friendly. And her mom was very... Uh, her mom was just like really aware of what others thought of them. And she was very focused on that. Like she wanted to appear to be this like, you know, religious church growing household that was like that what nuclear family. Absolutely. Right. That was very big in the 50s. So uh, her mom was like very just like wanted to have a what's the word? She cared. She cared about what people thought about them. She, like, yes. She and, wanted her family to be, to be presentable and present the image of like the good old American pie eating family. There you go. Yeah. So when Candy uh, was younger, she asked a boy to race her to a water pump, fill up a jar and then race back. She lost and she threw the jar against the water pump, causing it to shatter and a piece of glass bounced back and hit her nose and cut it. Um, so bad that she had to go to the emergency room. And she was like obviously freaking out. And they were in the emergency room. She was crying and being a child. And her mom hushed her and was like, what will people in the waiting room think? Like, shh, just chill, you know? So as Candy grew older, she became more and more interested in the opposite sex. She would, which I don't think is that surprising considering how taboo it was in her family. So, like, she would spend hours getting information from her older sister who would show her how to use things like lipstick. Like, that was taboo, you know? So, yeah. by the time Candy was a teenager, her mom couldn't ignore this, like, behavior any longer of Candy wanting to know this information. And so she gave Candy a book on sex and preventative education. Like, what is it, like abstinence and that kind of stuff? No, I, th I think it was like actually like preventative education, like condoms and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. It was good on her mom. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, just based on the other stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the relationship with her mom was like super strained because she, they had different ideals. Her mom cared really deeply about what others thought of them and she was super religious and candy was a young teenager who was interested in boys and sex and not into caring about what you know neighbors thought about right. them so when candy turned 13 she asked for a girdle 
And her mom said no, and a girdle is what? It's like... Uh, is that those, like, that belt that holds up a woman's leggings? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And I guess her mom's like, you don't need one. And Candy was like, yes, I do. They're cool right now. And how else are my stockings going to be held up? And her I mom's would... like, well, you don't need stockings either. And... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just always assume they were tight, so they just got held up by being tight around the legs. I don't know. Well, either way, <laughs> her older sister eventually like also got involved, and between the two of them, they wore their mom down, and Candy got it. So, uh, at the age of 14, Candy and a friend ran away, and they were found the next day at a shopping mall, and Candy said she had no regrets. <laughs> Another example of their relationship is how both of her parents smoked, and she begged them, like, let me start smoking. And they are like, no, you're too young. And so she would smoke behind their back. And as soon as they were like, okay, you can start smoking, she stopped. <laughs> All she cared about was, like... Being told she can't. Yeah, being a little bit rebellious, it seems like. Yeah, they should have been like, and don't you dare get straight A's and <laughs> <No>. <laughs> become a doctor. You're too interested in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she lost her virginity at the age of 16 to a guy named Chris, who she had been seeing for a few months. She describes it as disappointing because after reading romance novels, she expected there to be fireworks, and they, but they continued to stay together, and Chris eventually bought her an engagement ring, and her mom was like, you are way too young. And Candy was like, yeah, I'm way too young. <laughs> So they ended up going their separate ways and losing touch. And Candy kind of just started doing a few odd jobs. Like she did secretarial work and she describes it as more boring than high school. Okay, so we skipped a bit here. So she was 15, 16, dating him. Right. They break up after he proposes. Mm -hmm. And now she's post high school, graduated. Yes. Out in the labor force. Yes. And she's still not quite sure what to do with her life. Exactly. Very wow. relatable. Not at all. Danny, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Okay, you already had your own business at that age. Like, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I didn't know this was going to go that far. <laughs> yeah. I still am like... <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, I still am like, this isn't when I... You know. Yeah. <laughs> is this the end, really? Like, <laughs> so... Uh, she starts thinking about it and she's like, I always, she realizes she always wants to be a mom, mm -hmm. but she had never really thought about what she needs to make that happen, you know? And she's like, I need a husband, right? It makes sense. Like, not only, because her dream was to live on a farm with a bunch of animals and kids, and she wanted at least eight kids. She technically doesn't need the husband for that. Okay, but like in this vision, there was never a guy, but around the age of 20, she realized like, I don't like this working thing. If I had a guy, he could do the working thing and I could do the whole farm thing. That's relatable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think everybody's been like, if I marry rich. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, while her working in her job as a secretary, she... Uh, dated a man named Fred, and she left him because he didn't make enough money. She dated a guy named Dave, and she left him 
Due to his lack of education, which could mean a few things. Like, A, he wasn't making enough money also, because, you know, education back then brought more career opportunities. It could also mean he just didn't well, mentally stimulate her, I guess. It was her way of saying he wasn't smart. That I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But do you... Th I would now wish I had on hand data as to how valuable a college degree was in the 70s. Yes. Versus now. Because I know now someone with a BA can be expected to make like a million dollars more over the course of their working life than someone without uh, a, a bachelor's, I should say, not, not just a BA. Is that really true? Yeah. I was like, thinking it just like isn't that important anymore. No, it still, it still has a, a lot of value and is one of the... Probably one of like the most reliable ways you can you can put money into something and then get more money out over time. Wow, that's wild. I make fun of my degree all the time. Oh, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like, well, that's was a sure waste of money. <laughs> it also is like such a privilege to be able to go though that it's really sad that it does matter that much in the long run. Oh yeah, it's huge. But it, but it'll also come down to the individual. Like trades are still amazing career paths that are oh yeah you make so much money as a plumber yeah <laughs> yeah and it's not really i do wish we had a bigger emphasis on trade schools right because of that yeah uh but yeah uh, all this is to say her dad was a radar tech mm -hmm. that sounds like a job he could have gone involved with through the military do you know if he was a military guy i believe based on on who she ends up with, he had an education. Guy, okay. Mm -hmm. Then never mind. On we go. Okay. Well, she dated another guy and she doesn't remember his name, but she actually did consider marrying him because her best friend at the time had married his best friend and she was like, oh, that'd be cute. But it didn't work out. <laughs> That's how I like to pick my partners too. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just like fits. Yeah. <laughs> um... So she ended up getting a job at a furniture furniture factory, sorry. And a coworker is like, "Hey, you're like the age of my son. You're, you know, cute. You want to go on a date with him?" And Candy's like, "Um, well, I can get a free meal out of it." So, okay. So the guy who she's going on this blind date with, his name is Pat Montgomery, and he is uh, an electrical engineer at one of the fastest moving American electronic companies at the time. And he was very smart, but super shy, and his mom tried to set him up with everyone. So this was nothing new to him. Did your mom ever try to set up your brother? No. Yeah, that's not a thing that... <laughs> That thing happens in, like, U.S. culture. I mean, maybe it did in the 70s. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Fair. Yeah. But it was harder. You didn't have, like, dating apps then. Yeah. It, I mean, could you imagine? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never used them, so That's I don't true. know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're basically uh, with your high school sweetheart. Yeah, but I dated a ton in college, and yeah, that was easy. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, <laughs> he comes and he takes her out they go to a nice restaurant and candy's like this is the dullest date i've ever been on <laughs> so yep. she's very surprised when pat immediately asks her out on a second date like 
when he's dropping her off in the first one. And I think it's because she's so surprised that she says yes. She's like, just like, whoa, the state sucked. What? What? Like, unexpected. So, second date, not much better. And when Pat asks her on a third date, she's like, uh, just call me tomorrow and I'll get back to you. And she doesn't answer. And he keeps calling and she doesn't answer. So Pat, the like wonderful, shy, introverted person he is, just is like, oh, she probably has some kind of family emergency or she's busy or she's definitely not blowing me off, you know? Oh, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> so on their second date, they went to some sand dunes and you like, you know, you bring a cardboard box and you go down them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Candy complained about how she got some sand in her pants. So after Candy doesn't answer the phone for a few weeks, he sends her flowers and a card that says, I hope you got the sand out of your pants. That's a cute reference. (laughs) She thought so because she's super touched by it. And she calls him to like be like, oh, that was so sweet. Thank you. And Pat. (laughs) Wait, what did you think of the reference? I mean, honestly, it wouldn't yeah. have made me call him. That—that <laughs> That is how these inside jokes begin to form. I would think it's weird. I'd be like, I don't know, but it worked. <laughs> I'm getting deja vu. I think the first time you told it, I hated the reference. You I, like I, it now? I think now I like it, and I don't know why. Maybe it's the sleep hate- deprivation this week. <laughs> <laughs> I still hate it. I mean, like, it was very cute, very thoughtful. I would have cringed if I got that. <laughs> Do you think it, it's because uh, if they're two dates in? Like, what, what if they were like ten dates in and it was going well? Okay, that would have been better. That would have been that would have been cute. Two I dates see. is like. So it's more that she's she was already trying to actively, you know, passively actively ghost him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, at this time, Pat's uncle, who had raised him, so it was like practically his dad. Yeah. Ended up having a heart attack and dying. So Pat was super distraught, comes back to town. So his job is in Dallas and Candy's in El Paso where his mom also lives. So he ends up coming back to deal with all the fallout of his uncle dying. And he calls up Candy and they meet and Pat is just like so sad and distraught and he like really opens up to Candy and Candy ended up seeing a side of Pat that she really liked, you know, like trauma bonding. That's kind of the feel I get of it is like when you're really, I don't know how to describe it, Gabe. <laughs> well, I, I, I can give us a, I think a, a less technical definition, but we have a friend who likes it when on dates, guys show some level of vulnerability where they, you know, talk about fears and whatnot. And she says she feels more connected to them that way. Okay. So it's like opens up a level of connection. Yeah. Okay. I was telling her that means jack shit. (laughs) All it means is a guy spilled his guts. You know, you don't know if he's just always like that. Yeah. Or if he trusts you specifically. mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Also, it's a manipulation tactic. It can be a manipulation tactic as well. Interesting. For this, I don't think it was because he was like super distraught. His right. He was the guy he was raised by just died. So right. Maybe we should just define trauma bonding. Well, that's just the word I came up with. I don't uh, know if it's an actual thing. It is a thing. Is uh, it okay? I'm just wondering if it 
applies here because she didn't go through the trauma. Right. Like he was he was he was already bonding to her. Right. It was just the fact that he opened up and like Yeah. Yeah. Was very emotional. I think it more just it can trigger like a caretaking sort of instinct in people. That's fair. So anyways, after this um 2 months later they got engaged. When you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And then they got married. And after getting married, they had some adjustments. Pat, he worked a lot and Candy didn't like to be alone. And then Pat got accepted to finish his PhD, I'm sorry, his PhD in Colorado. So they moved to Colorado and Candy had to leave her family behind. And Colorado was really rough for them. Um... Candy had to get a job since Pat was working on his PhD and he wasn't able to like work full time. He was working and she was working, but even between that, they barely were making it by. Damn. Mm -hmm. uh, Pat, but Pat's an electrical engineer. I think he was just doing like side jobs, like not anything in his field. He was just taking on work to make money. Got it. While he finishes his PhD. Right. Which okay. is pretty common. Yeah. So Candy ends up getting pregnant and they have a baby girl named Jenny and she was very, very excited. And um, in 1973, they ended up moving back to Dallas after Pat finished his dissertation and it was considered groundbreaking. Oh, snap. What was it called? <laughs> I don't know. It, it was like a bunch of stuff that I was like, I don't know what any of this means. So <laughs> I didn't even write it down. So... Uh, Pat started working on some top secret military radar project and making bank. Wait, so he's also doing radar stuff like Candy's dad? Yeah, exactly. That's some Freudian stuff. I know, right? <laughs> so they were able to buy a house and then they have a second child and they name him Ian in 1974. So Candy was super happy. She has a baby girl and a baby boy and they have a house and she's like, okay, I'm done with kids. Gets her tubes tied. And at this time, they both describe themselves as agnostic, but mm -hmm. agree they should go to church for their kids. That's, I won't say it's a dumb idea, but it's kind of pointless. I don't know. It, it's just weird to me, but also at the same time, like, I get it because there's, like, that sense of community and their kids would meet other kids and yeah, it is I, Texas, so everybody goes to church. Yeah, I just always want to balance it with the, like, if Candy looks back to her childhood and what some of that repression did to her, I, I you know, I would think you'd say, okay, maybe, you know, maybe growing up in a church environment isn't the best for some people that is true yeah but she didn't <laughs> so they end up finding a church they like and they end up going regularly and candy connected with the pastor pastor that's right okay yeah so this was a woman and candy but which is part of why she chose it is because it was pretty that's very progressive mm -hmm. that's a game changer yeah so candy immediately becomes like a hit at the church she gets along with everybody she's really extroverted she's more than happy to take on like responsibilities and just mm -hmm. you know be real real involved and candy becomes really close with the woman pastor named jackie 
Okay. A few months after joining the church, Jackie's husband leaves her and Candy is consoling her and she goes, you're lucky. And she realizes like, I mean it. Like she thinks Jackie is lucky. And let me explain why. So <laughs> Candy had started to feel like the married life was stale. After being with Pat for seven years at this point, they had settled into a routine and Candy was getting bored. Seven-year itch. Yep. Pat worked a lot and Candy took care of the kids and the house and she was just like, you know, bored. So yeah, she wondered like, maybe I missed out by not going to college and, you know, that kind of thing. Like gay soap opera, right? Right. I mean, in a soap opera, she would have find out that Pat had another family, <laughs> and he cloned her. <laughs> or okay. Something. Well, I haven't watched enough soap operas, but okay. Yeah. So now we're moving on to a second couple. You ready? Yeah. So his name, or well, their name is Betty and Alan Gore. No. Don't make that same joke again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but really though, is it? No, <laughs> no relation to Al Gore. <laughs> but but are, can you be certain though? I cannot be certain, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so there's a chance. <laughs> no. So Betty and Alan Gore first visited the church at a recommendation of a friend, and they ended up staying because they also really liked the pastor, Jackie. Betty was really, really nice, but she was like a bit more strict than the other women at the church and just like didn't quite fit into the group because the group was more like, you know, extroverted and go with the flow and just fun and that kind of thing. And she was very introverted and she just didn't quite fit, you know? Can you relate? No, I fit in everywhere. <laughs> so... <laughs> Meanwhile, Candy is still having trouble in her marriage, being bored, and she's like, I have an idea. I know how to fix this problem. It's going to be a great idea. I yeah. know it. What do you think it is? Cheat. Yes. <laughs> she's like, I should have an affair. Yeah. Why go to college? <laughs> I know, right? Like, you can just have an affair and that'll fix your boredom. Yep. Will it end your marriage? Maybe, but... <laughs> yeah. So when she ends up signing up for the church volleyball team and during a volleyball game, she and Alan both go for the ball and they collide mm -hmm. and Candy realizes like, oh, wow, he smells really good. And that's all it took. She was like, he's the one. He's who I'm going to have an affair with. Wow. She's like, have you seen you? Mm -hmm. She's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> She kind of is, except he's like way more like awkward and doesn't fit in and candy everybody loves and she yeah. fits in great. So. Well, I don't know, because Joe in the show is, he comes off as very charming and is able to like... Especially the second season. Yeah, he's able to like sort of slide into yeah. different groups. That's true. Wild show. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, she's like, I want fireworks and sex without emotion and... Back, you can I, pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that's elite. that's a sin, Gabe. So is cheating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Candy begins to just dissect like every little thing about Alan, like how he would joke more with her than the other women in church, and like how he would occasionally meet her eye and wink 
Oh yeah. Just like, she was like, this is it. He's totally flirting with me. So it, so Candy's full name is Candy Joe Goldberg Mon- Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point, she's almost 29 years old and she's like, okay, I'm almost 30. I really don't have that much time left where I can do something like this. I don't know, Gabe. I don't know. That's what she was thinking. People cheat like super... What? I know. I know. There's no age limit on cheating. She was just worried. She was like, I don't know. She's like, I'm getting old. Nobody's going to want me. So that was me guessing. I don't know. I mean, it does sound like that's what she's implying. Yeah. So one night after choir practice, she saw Alan get into his car. So she goes, do you remember this part? No. She goes and she gets into the passenger seat next to him. And she's like, I have something I need to tell you. And she tells him she's attracted to him and wants him to know. And then just gets out of the car and leaves before he can respond. 10 out of 10 play. Yeah. That would work on so many people. I know, right? Alan's like hooked. He cannot stop thinking about candy. So if you ever have a crush, guys. Just get into their car. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll always work. Yeah. Disclaimer, it will not work. It won't. It's creepy. Don't, Don't do get that. into their car. <laughs> so, uh, Alan just like is starting to think how fun Candy is and confident and easygoing while his wife is not. She's the, the introverted one, right? He was a little bit one. more strict. Yeah. Hey, what was her name again? Betty. 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 So many names. Mm-hmm. There's four names here. <laughs> <laughs> There's also Ian and Jenny, the kids who've never come up. Yeah, they're not important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they're kind of important later, but very minimally. Got it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. So they come up right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Alan and Betty have a daughter, and their daughter is best friends with Candy and Pat's daughter. Okay. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, and their daughter's the oldest. So how old would she be now? Like 16? I don't know. Um, I'm looking for it. I want to say younger than that. I think like 12. Like middle school age then? Okay. Yeah. They like they met through church. Yeah, makes okay. sense. Yeah. So Alan and Betty are having problems. Like, sorry, that was my phone. You're good. Um, Alan and Betty are having problems. Shockingly. We would have saw that coming. So their sex life had dwindled and Betty wanted another kid. And Alan was just kind of resentful of that. He wasn't on the same page. Having another kid could put more strain on the relationship versus them trying to work on themselves first. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's a bad move, Betty. Yep. Well, a few days after that conversation in the car, Candy and Alan were cleaning up together and Alan asked Candy what she had in mind, referring to like, what are you going to do about your crush on me kind of thing? He's like, why'd you tell me? And she goes, I want to have an affair. Scandalous, right? Straight shooter. Yeah. And Alan's like, well, snaps, you're direct. Um, And he's like, I don't think I can do that to Betty because I'm a decent human being and don't want to hurt her. And she had an affair a few years ago that really hurt me. And I can't do that to her. Also, she's pregnant. So, you Wait, know. Wait, so Betty is pregnant? Yes. At this point, she is now pregnant. Oh, bummer. Yep. So, um, Candy's like, oh, that's cool. I just had to say something. 
you know, so I could just stop thinking about it. I don't want to hurt Pat either. Yeah, and, that's how that works. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then Alan leaves and that's it. That's the end of this. Just kidding. Yeah, if only. <laughs> Alan doesn't leave. He leans in and kisses her. Are we all shocked? Top 10 anime surprises. I know. Just absolutely shocked. So he kisses her and then leaves. A couple weeks later, he calls her and is like, let's get lunch and discuss this further. So they meet up. It was right before her 29th birthday and they meet for lunch. And are you ready? Alan surprises her with a card that says for the last of the red hot lovers. And and it says that on the front. And then inside he had a bag of red hot candies. And we know Candy's weaknesses are cheesy cards. Especially because it refers to her name too, Candy. Exactly. Oh, goodness. It makes it easy to follow along. So she clearly likes these like, uh, thoughtful gifts like i don't even know is that even Whatever. thoughtful i don't know <laughs> like your name being lily and being given a bunch of lilies like <laughs> so they discuss their daily lives for a while which candy appreciates because you know her and pat are having issues and she doesn't really feel like she can talk to pat and alan's like i obviously can't hurt betty so the answer is obviously what do you think I mean, he should say we should stop talking, but he gave her a card. So he's going to say something like, so we should totally do it, but like, be very careful. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) so the answer obviously is that Betty can never find out. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So they talk it out and they leave it out like, we'll keep thinking about it and the risks. So then they have another phone call about it and they begin to talk daily, either on the phone or while meeting up for lunch. To discuss the possible scenarios of what to do if someone sees them, where they can meet, and the more that they talk, the more it becomes like, I want to say like friendship, but like it's more like they become to like emotionally rely on each other. Oh, they friend zone each other. It's not like exactly friend zone. I don't know how to describe it. Like they become an integral part of each other's lives by getting the emotional need that they're not getting from their partners okay i mean that is often it's called it's like a form of cheating yeah well i mean it is emotional cheating yeah yeah i mean they've definitely already cheated Mm -hmm. but i guess some people argue that cheating only happens when something is missing in a relationship exactly yeah so i don't know that feels like it's trying to make it seem like it's okay yeah uh, but Candy is like, well, we have to do something or this is never going to actually progress into something physical. So she invites Alan over for lunch at her house one day and she has this like huge piece of butcher paper hanging up and it has like pros and cons listed on it. And when Alan Hot. sees it, he like laughs because it's just right there. It's, you know, funny. Yeah. And... They start listing the pros and cons, and at the end, Alan's like, okay, I still need to think about it. And a few days later, he calls, and he's like, okay, let's move ahead. Okay, what happened at at home? I don't know. I think he just couldn't stop thinking about it. Okay. Who knows? Yeah. And so Candy goes ahead, and they schedule a rendezvous. She finds a hotel a few minutes from his work. She makes him lunch. She goes to the motel and calls him, tells him the room number, and 
they eat lunch that Candy brought and then like it's super awkward and then they they do it and Candy's like, wow, that was so vanilla for lack of a better word. Like it was, you know, no fireworks. But she's still really excited about the whole secret nature of it all, you know? So yeah. they quickly schedule to meet again. And Alan would later realize it wasn't the sex he was looking forward to, but more so like meeting up with Candy and not having to feel like the burden of making sure Betty, his wife, was happy and having to deal with like her, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what he realizes. And then Candy, meanwhile, realizes like, oh no, I'm beginning to think of him more often. And like, I'm beginning to really rely on him for that emotional connection. And she had a conversation with Alan about how she was worried that she was falling in love with him. And Alan was like, nah, dog, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and so they keep going. Wait, I, wait, I don't know what his reasoning was, but he convinced her it's fine. Keep going. Wait, was, was he thinking like, this is okay, so we should keep going? Or was he thinking, whatever, like, I don't really care if you do or don't, but like, I don't want to stop. A little bit of both, probably? I don't know. Yeah. Like, he was probably just like, we can't stop because I'm having fun. I don't know. Yeah, okay. So, by the time Betty's like seven or eight months pregnant, Alan's like, okay, actually, we do need to stop because I need to focus on Betty right now. I cannot forgive myself if I'm with you, and she goes into labor. Right. Well, then, well then don't. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to end it because he's realizing, yeah. like, you know, if something happens, he will not be able to forgive himself. Meanwhile, he should not be able to forgive himself, anyways. But we won't. We won't get into that. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's the part where I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like <laughs> you've already gone too far. <laughs> you've just draw like an arbitrary, like, no, this is the line now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, Candy. Uh, doesn't tell Alan, but she's like actually relieved when he suggests this. She realizes like the sex isn't all that great and she has to wake up early to make him lunch and it's becoming to be work. No wonder he doesn't want it to end. Yeah. She's making him food every time. <laughs> yeah. She makes him these like elaborate meals and he's like... <laughs> and she was like, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. I get to make lunch and have mediocre sex. Isn't that, isn't that her marriage? Like what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So anyways, um, after the affair ends, Candy throws a baby shower through the church for Betty. I think it's like part of what she's expected to do. I'm not sure. Yeah. And because like it's weird to me if it's not, but I don't know. So Betty absolutely loves it. And it makes her feel like maybe she's becoming one of the group in the church, you know, those girls that don't quite welcome her. Yeah. <laughs> so Bethany, yes, Bethany, the, she names her kid Bethany. Her name's Betty. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> was born in July and for like a week afterwards, it seems as if Betty and Alan were like actually bonding and getting closer and happier, but like it doesn't last super long and Alan contacts Candy again and he's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's start up again. Yeah, new babies are not super easy. Yep. So... Again, not justifying. I'm just saying, cl clearly this guy is looking for like a way to start that back up and mm -hmm. a little bit of added stress. And yeah. there he goes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this is 
yeah, he uses it as an excuse. So yeah. they quickly, they start it up. They realize it's like, it doesn't have that excitement it used to, you know, the like secrecy and all that. It's just lost its spark. So if it ever even had one. So uh, Alan starts to feel guilty leaving Betty at home with their newborn and their other daughter while he cheats on her. So Alan ends up going on a week-long vacation and then he gets back on a Thursday and he was supposed to meet with Candy that Friday. So the day after he returns home. But Betty's like, can you please just like... And by meeting up, he's like, oh, I'm going into work. And then during his lunch break, he goes and meets Candy. But Betty's like, can you please skip work today? I just like really need help catching up with errands and chores and blah, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. And he's unable to convince his wife that he has to go into work. So he makes an excuse about church to call Candy and let her know. And he goes into the bedroom. He talks to Candy. And then when he walks out, Betty's like, that was sure a long conversation. And so then Candy goes on. Wait, was she listening on the other? I don't know. Because this was the days you could just pick up. It is possible. Yeah. So Candy then goes on a week-long vacation with her family. So it's like been a couple weeks since Andy and uh, Alan meet. Mm -hmm. So then they meet up and they spend a lot of time together in the hotel room. And then that night, Betty tries to seduce Alan for like the first time in months. And Alan was too spent from his time with Candy. So he's like, I'm just not in the mood. And Betty starts crying and Alan feels really bad. And he's like, okay, I have to end the affair because I'm a terrible person. And so he tries to end the affair, but this time Candy doesn't want to. She's like really started to rely on Alan once again, emotionally. And Pat's not filling that emotional need. So Candy's like freaking out because to lose that would be like really hard on her. And why isn't, has she ever approached like is pat totally unavailable for her emotionally or is candy just is he just unaware this is you know she candy has these emotional things she wants to be talking about considering how unaware he was when she was ghosting him i would go that route true yeah but that's speculation i don't know yeah yeah fair (laughs) so um Betty and Alan decide to go on this like weekend seminar about fixing your marriage that a ton of the couples in church had success with. So it's kind of like marriage counseling through the church. Very common. Mm -hmm. And while they do this, Candy agrees to watch their kids. So, yeah. Weird. It's super weird. (laughs) (laughs) So when Alan goes to pick up the kids after that weekend seminar from Candy. Candy's like, how did it go? What does it mean for us? And Alan's like, I don't know. And leaves. So that's that. And Alan and Candy, afterwards, Alan ends up breaking it off and they cry, but you know. They cry? Yeah. They were like really emotionally tied together. They could still be friends and not sleep together. Hell, she can still make them lunch. That's not cheating. (laughs) Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. They're, I don't know. They're real weird. So Alan's, <laughs> Alan's, um, so he's like, okay, I'm going to go on this work trip, but I'll call you my wife, Betty, as soon as I land. And Betty's like, okay, thank you. 
So he lands and he calls and there's no answer. So he's like, okay, she must be out. I'll call her later. So later that evening, he calls again and he still can't reach Betty. So he's like, that's weird. She doesn't have a life. She has two children. Like, what's happening? So he calls a neighbor and he's like, can you go knock on my door and maybe the phone's not working and just check on Betty? And the neighbor goes, knocks, and is like, there's no answer. Betty's not home. So Alan's like super worried now because Betty would never randomly be out at night without talking to him first. So he calls Candy and he's like, have you seen Betty? And she's like, yeah, I was there this morning. Um, I have your daughter at my house. So she has swim lessons tomorrow or she has swim lessons. So I went to go pick up a swimsuit and Betty seemed fine when I was there. And I just grabbed, you know, just she just wanted me to like get out of the house in a hurry because she's dealing with a newborn. Make sense? Nothing, yeah, nothing crazy there. <laughs> okay. So Alan's like, okay, Candy saw her this morning. I can't get a hold of her now. So at around 10 p.m., he's like freaking out. He's like, calls his neighbors and he's like, you guys have to go. Like, break inside if you have to, but something's wrong. She would never be out this late. She would never not call me. Like, something's wrong. Break it down. So the neighbors go. They try the front door and it's unlocked and they're like, cool. So they go in, they find the baby laying in the crib covered in poop and pee and baby stuff and just like hoarse from crying so much. And so they split up and one of them gets to, you know, that room that usually has like a washer and dryer and then it's usually off the kitchen and then it connects to the garage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they get to that room. They call it a utility room. I call it the laundry room. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and he opens it, the neighbor, and inside there's just blood everywhere. And it takes him a second to even notice the body on the floor because there's so much blood. And then it takes him another second to realize it's Betty. So he shuts the door and he, he tells everybody, like, don't go in there. He gets them all out. He goes home. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. And then Alan calls the home phone while they're all freaking out. And one of the neighbors answers and tells Alan that it looks like Betty has been shot in the head. So Alan calls Candy and he's freaking out. He's like, can you please keep our oldest daughter who's at your house right now? Can you just keep her? Don't tell her what's going on. Like, we need to figure out what's happening. And Candy's like, of course, I can do whatever you need. I'm such a wonderful person. So Candy had gone over to Betty's the morning that she was, Betty was murdered mm -hmm. to pick up a swimsuit for the daughter, right? Police are like, okay, it seems like Candy's the last one we know who has seen Betty alive. But she's a woman. She goes to church. She's married. She has kids. She's not a suspect. That's just science. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, The Shining, the movie had just come out. And it was Friday the 13th from when the murder had happened. And it turns out that it wasn't a gunshot, but instead she had been murdered with an axe. And it seemed possible to the police that a deranged fan or troubled person had committed the murder because somehow these all tied together. No. Wow. <laughs> that is... Talk about a reach. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So, could you imagine like, <laughs> like being that husband and the cops, like, well, 
Have you seen The Shining? <laughs> it is Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just, sometimes the facts speak for themselves. Yeah. Must so, have been a fan. Mm-hmm. Candy's like not a suspect at all until Alan admits that he had an affair with Candy seven months prior. So that much time had passed. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... They arrest Candy, and when she is let out on bail, the entire church stands with her. And she's like, I did not murder Betty, and everyone believes her. And Candy hires a lawyer who she knows through church, and the lawyer gets a psychiatrist hired since Candy's, like, being so reserved. And I think the lawyer's just trying to, like, make sure she's okay. Okay. And, um... The psychiatrist tries hypnosis. So. Bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) All that really comes out during the first session was that Candy had a very strong hatred of Betty. And also the memory of her losing the race and getting cut with the glass when she was like really young. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Is a very triggering memory for her. It comes into play later. Was it the part of... Her getting cut by the glass. It was her mom's reaction. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, um, I, I guess just as a quick recap, the reaction was when they went to the hospital to get her checked out. Candy, mom. Candy kept crying, and her mom was hushed like, her. Shh, yeah. Yeah. People are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Betty. Okay. So, it comes to light that Betty hadn't been expecting Candy until noon. So when she showed up early, Betty answered and was like annoyed. She's like, why are you here early? And Candy's like, I'm just here to because the girls want to see a movie together. So I'm just wondering if I could take the daughter to her swim lesson and then we'll all go to the movies together. And Betty's like, okay, that's fine. Come in, I'll go get the swimsuit. And Betty and Candy sit down in the kitchen. And okay, keep in mind, this is what comes from Candy's mouth during the hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, which is super reliable. Yes. Almost always totally works. Yeah, you, it's admissible in court. It's great. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's really... Um, it's not. So... um. She goes inside to get the swimsuit and Betty and Candy like sit down in the kitchen and they chat for a bit before Candy looked at the time and was like, oh, I have to get going. And Betty stops her and she's like, are you having an affair with Alan? And Candy's like, no. (laughs) And Betty's like, but you were at one point. And Candy's like, yes. Hmm. So, um... Candy admits the affair and she asks if Alan had told Betty and Betty's just like, hold on and gets up, walks into the utility room. And then when she returns, she's holding a three foot axe. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) So she holds the axe by her side and just says, don't see him again. And Candy's like, um, I'm just going to drop your daughter off at swim lessons and you can pick her up. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) and Betty's like oh no sorry and she's like she's like I'm just gonna drop your daughter off before swim lessons here and Betty's like no I don't want to see you take her to the movies and drop her off tomorrow hold on I'll grab the swimsuit and towel so she puts the axe against the wall and leaves the room 
Andy gets the stuff, the towel and swimsuit, and she's about to leave, and she notices how sad Betty looks. And she's like, oh no, Betty's going to cry as soon as I leave. And instead of leaving, she tries to console Betty. And Betty apparently just, like, fucking loses it. And she grabs the axe and runs after Candy, and Candy tries telling Betty she doesn't want Alan, and she's super sorry, and Betty's, like... All she's repeating is that Candy cannot have Alan. Does this all make sense? I mean, not uh, like, really, but like... The, the chain of... I mean, it's making sense, but the... We have not been shown anything of Betty mm-hmm. to suggest she would turn violent. The affair has been over seven months. Either Betty knew the whole time and it just came to a head right now, but I'm guessing Candy's been by before this. Mm-hmm. Things are obviously not adding up, which is surprising because hypnosis is super effective. <laughs> Right. So Betty apparently like starts swinging the axe at Candy and Candy's like freaking out. So she manages to knock Betty over. And while Betty's on the ground, Candy grabs the axe, swings it and hits Betty in the head. Okay. So now supposedly Betty gets up after being hit in the head with the axe and Candy's like, just please let me leave. And Betty says, I can't, and then comes after Candy again. And she, at this point, Candy's like trying to be like, let me leave, let me leave. And Betty shushes Candy, like, shh. (laughs) (laughs) Candy says this brings back the childhood memory of being shushed by her mom in the emergency room. And she begins to disassociate. 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 There you go. Um, Candy at one point even tries to open the door to the garage because they're in the utility room and Betty manages to shut it and lock it and I find that hard to believe that Betty would do this after being hit in the head with an axe I don't know but anyways supposedly Betty keeps coming after Candy and Candy feels like there's no way out so she lifts the axe and swings it 41 times and 40 of those hits were while Betty's heart was still beating all to the head Mm, I think everywhere wow yeah so during the trial Candy admits to killing Betty but says it was self-defense and how do you think the jury goes I mean it's got to be not guilty because all they have if two people enter a house, one leaves, you only really have that one person's telling of events. And yeah, like only only the axe was used as a weapon. If they had guns or, you know, you could track like, okay, who fired what? Roughly estimate when it was fired from where it was fired. Mm-hmm. This is like, yeah, maybe Betty did attack her. Yeah, maybe. you're right. She was found not guilty. I was shocked. I was like, not even like, I guess... It's Texas in self-defense. Yeah, I was going to be like, I guess they can't even do manslaughter. I don't know. Not if it's self-defense. No. Because they can't can't punish you for self-defense. She hit Betty 40 times with an axe. Like, this isn't some Michael Myers. It's a person who has just had a baby and, well, not just, but a couple months ago. And, like, I don't know. The part It's just frustrating. They really should have gotten her on leaving a crime scene, lying about it, and leaving a baby abandoned. 
Yeah. But, you know, don't mess with Texas. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, she claims that she had been disassociating that entire time. And she, like, didn't even really think that it happened. And... Rev, I, I don't know if... I, I, of course, lean towards not believing her. But it is odd how... I would have loved to have heard her voice on the call when Alan called her. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, hey, have you seen Betty? Like, yeah. Did she, did she, she seem nervous? Was she totally normal? And at one point in while in the laundry room, she tried to clean up but she was running late to like her kids play or something and had to leave. So it's not like she like just left the crime scene. Like yeah. I don't it was I don't know. But she was found not guilty. Candy and Pat moved to Georgia and they last 4 years before they get divorced, which I'm impressed with. Like I mean, I think that speaks more to to Pat's total disconnect from yeah. her um, at that point, Candy changed her name and she got a new career as a mental health counselor. And she's alive today and in her early 70s. I wish I could say the mental health counselor thing surprised me. But having gone to school with people <laughs> who work in mental health, yeah, not that surprising. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, there's actually a Hulu show about this case. Some famous actress is in it who plays Candy. What the heck is her name? Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel. And um, I didn't watch it because I, I wasn't, it was probably dramatized. And I didn't want to mix yeah, up yeah. the facts, but I do want to watch it. It got, you know, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. That's not terrible. Mm-hmm. So is that the story of Candy Montgomery? That is the story of Candy Montgomery. For those of you still with us, you may notice a slight change in the audio right now. This recording you're hearing at this moment is several months after we recorded the Candy Montgomery episode. As it turns out, my mic became disconnected somehow. But with all that being said, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our newsletter that we maybe one day will send out. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.